The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All right, you hear that music, you know the show. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. It's a beautiful day in the valley. I always say that because I'm telling you, I, I, man, out of seven days out of a week, it's going to take us probably about, wow, 20, 30, 40 days before we see a bad one. It's just it's just like that out here. So for all of those who happen to be someplace where it's very cold right now or there's a lot of snow and you don't want to be there, you need to get the first flight you can to Phoenix. I'll be here waiting on you. I'll do the best I can to show you a good time because that's just how we do it here out in Phoenix right now. And it's a great day for me to do a show. I got a lot of things I want to talk about and uh I got a special guest who's going to be joining me, but there, there's a lot of things that's going on, and I, I, I really don't want to get my guests involved in it, but I'm going to throw it out there, and I'm going to talk about it perhaps maybe after I, I relieve my guest and, and let him go on, but there's some things going on at BYU with one of their players. There's some things that's going on at The Ohio State University. You know, there's some things that I can talk to my guests about that's happening in the National Football League, which is going to affect his life. But, um, and then there's the crying game that's going on. And I guess I could also talk to my friend about the crying game as well. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the time out to, uh, I don't even really know how to enter. When you know, when you have a young man that comes from your hometown, from your high school, and uh, it's good enough to, to follow your footsteps and go to the university that you chose to go to and then follow those footsteps and, and make it into the National Football League. And somewhere, somewhere, somehow, he gets derailed along the way and he doesn't take that second step after he leaves Ken McKinley High School and head towards the Ohio State University. But I got with me uh, a very good football player, a man who I hope that one day, one Sunday, I can call him and I can get some tickets and I can go watch him play. And that is Joe Morgan from Ken McKinley High School and from Walsh University by way of the University of Illinois. Joe, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, it's it's a pleasure, man. And I got to say this. Uh, I've always been someone that I've uh, I think I've been blessed with the eye to recognize talent when I see it, in particular football. And I like to think basketball, too. And I did not get a chance to see you playing for the Bulldogs, but I did get a chance to see you play against 
the Ohio State University. And I immediately took notice. I got on the phone and I called. And I haven't told you this story, Joe, but I, when I grew up in Canton, Ohio, a young man lived across the street from me by the name of Joe Morgan. And so I immediately started inquiring if indeed you were the son of that Joe Morgan, but I found out that you were not. But I did find out as I watched the game that you were a damn good football player. And I would like to know, man, how did you not end up at the Ohio State University? How did you end up at Illinois in the first place? Uh, when I was coming out of high school, they, they were recruiting me and everything. And uh, one of the main things, I just felt like they were, because they didn't really give me an offer like straight up, but they were they wanted me to come in for a visit and everything like that. But I just felt like I was one of their like second tier guys that they weren't really trying to take a, a chance on me. And uh, like Illinois is one of the main teams that were really interested in me, and they had a uh, gave me an offer like up front. And plus, uh, Coach Luke, that probably was the main reason I went there. He made me feel comfortable because I'm a, like a family oriented person. He made me feel like uh, going there is going to be like a family type setting. Well, I can say this: this is the second time that I've heard this uh, coming from somebody from Canton, Ohio. Shout out to, of course. The Clark family and 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 the Morgan family, and and I think the same thing happened with Raymar. There wasn't the that feeling that we really want you, and and I I know because I've talked to coaches. Coaches told me that he made a mistake with Raymar. You know, he thought perhaps be, you know that's Coach Mata. Thad told me that himself that he made a mistake and um, you know that he wouldn't make that mistake again. So obviously that's basketball and, and not football. So you didn't feel that you were what? Did you take an official visit to Ohio State? Uh, I, I went to. I took an official visit to Illinois. My I was going to take a visit after that to Ohio State. I had it set up, but I had it committed to Illinois already. I really didn't want to do it. And so you didn't even want to take the chance to go down to visit Ohio State because you felt perhaps maybe it might what change your mind. I, I, it was that I felt maybe my mind would get changed, and for a simple fact, it was like. I really did feel like they weren't really that interested in me at all. Well, I can say this. Um, you know, certainly you have the talent to play, and uh, you could have played there. Because if I'm not mistaken, you're in the same class that Torrance is in. Am I correct? Uh, I'm, I think I'm a year older than he is. But he's coming out this year as well, correct? Yeah, he's coming out this year too, yes. Okay. Now, speaking of coming out, okay, so you, you find yourself uh, coming out of Kent McKinley High School. You go to the University of Illinois, and tell us a little bit about once you arrived there and, and, and what your experience is as a football player. And then I think we had uh, just a little problem. Yeah, well, the main thing, it was like, it was nice being away from home because that was really the first time I had been away from home on my own and everything. Like, coming from a football standpoint, I mean, playing in the, the Big Ten and stuff like that, it was, I mean, it gets no better than that, really. So, I mean, that was a great experience. And then, look at my sophomore year, we ended up having a real good year going to the Rose Bowl and everything. And, like, like my freshman, I played my freshman year. I start, like, I played as a true freshman, and my sophomore year I actually started a few games. And uh, it was pretty nice because that was our, our good year that we was uh, going out and doing, uh, like, big things. Like I said, we ended up going to the Rose Bowl. But, uh, I mean, like you were trying to get to, like, I had, unfortunately I ended up getting into trouble because, like I had said, I mean, being away from home for the first time and, I don't know, new experiences, I caught, got caught up with the wrong crowd, I should say, and basically was doing things that I wasn't ready to do. So ended up getting in trouble after I ended up leaving the school. And, Joe, I think that's important that, you know, for one, that you share that with everybody and you real, and you, you explain to them that, again, being away from home many times for the first time, there's a lot of temptation out there. So uh, you made some mistakes, and I'm sure you can see that other kids might make mistakes. Uh, is there a message you could send to those young men who might be listening in terms of, listen, I can tell you from my own experience that temptation is going to be there, but perhaps when you see it, you might want to run the other way. Uh, I'm going to 
say, probably you just got to take responsibility for your actions. You got to be responsible. Man, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice because everybody says when you go to college, you're supposed to have fun, but you got to, in that, in that same sense, you got to be responsible and do smart things. So the main thing when you go out, I mean, just have fun, but have fun in moderation and be responsible and smart about it. Okay, before we go too far, you mentioned the Rose Bowl. I got to say this. I got a chance to play in the Rose Bowl my junior year. Probably one of the top five experiences of my entire life of playing football. Share with us, if you will, your experience of playing in the Rose Bowl. I actually, actually, honestly, I didn't even get to go because I had I was in trouble, so I didn't even get to make the trip out to the to California for. The and that's game. the part. That's the part I wanted you to share with everybody, Joe. Go ahead and finish that. Because uh, uh, like I got in trouble like with the team and stuff, so I mean you missing those experiences like that. I mean that's one of the main things. Like I never knew because I think I got in trouble before the Rose Bowl, so I didn't even get to. I mean, get that experience. I mean, that's the type of things you miss out on when you when you're really not being responsible and doing things you're supposed to do. Well, that, that, that's the part, again, I wanted you to bring it out. I want you to sh- share it, but I wanted to set it up like that, knowing that you didn't get that opportunity. But like I said, it was one of the top five memories I'll have my entire life. And I, I guess what I wanted people to see is that that won't be one of your top five. And as you said, you made a mistake and, uh, and you moved on. But you moved on, and your sophomore year at uh, the University of Illinois, it went okay, and uh, and then you had to to transfer, correct? Yes. And you transferred, and and tell us about you know being in a position where you've got to make some decisions based upon some consequences. What was that process like going through making a decision as to where you were going to go to school once you left the University of Illinois? Well, when I when I left, I was going to go to a Division two school in Pennsylvania, IUP. But uh, like one of the main things that that was a problem with me transferring to anywhere because on my transcript from Illinois it says that I had a disciplinary hold on my uh, on my records. It really didn't say what I did. It just said I had a disciplinary hold on my records on my transcript. So I mean, everybody was skeptical about like basically essentially taking a chance on me letting me into their school, even though I had explained the situation to them and everything. But I mean, still that was one of the hardest parts because I had that still hanging over my head. So I I ended up having to take a, a year off like just to, to go to a regular school just so I can get hours and credits to, to try to transfer in somewhere. But it, it appears that, Joe, even though you had to take that year off, you never gave up on your dream, and that was your dream to get back to the university, get your education, and a chance to play football again. Is that correct? That is correct. Like, no matter what, I, I wanted to, to continue playing. Like, uh, I just... I mean, it was it was hard times. It was hard. I'm not gonna lie, because I mean, eventually, because I was talking to some schools, and eventually everybody just stopped talking to me. So, like, I was start thinking, it's like, man, I'm really never gonna get to play again. But my mom really was the main person who had my back. She told me just keep trying. So, like, she was telling me the main thing: just stay in school and get my education. And like, if football is coming, you can. I mean, it'll come. If, if it's meant to be, then it'll come. And I think one thing that's important, as as you said, what you did, Joe, is each one of these universities that you got a chance to talk to, some of them were interested in and some of them kind of backed off, fell to the wayside and Walsh remained there, is you continue to tell your story and you can you continue to show them how interested you were in coming to their university. So you didn't give up on even if some people gave up on you, your mother and you yourself never gave up on Joe Morgan, and I think that was extremely key. So, talk to us about going there to you know to Wash University. How that how that work out? Uh, it actually worked. Out. I mean, it worked out real good. I ended up making it as far as I am now. But the main thing, like I went in there, I didn't want to have like a chip on my shoulder or anything like that. I wanted to had to basically I had to fit in because I was coming from like I was coming from a, a D1 school. I didn't want to go in there and make him think essentially this little school, these little school guys thinking that I'm trying to big time or anything like that. So I made it like a priority to go in there and work as hard as I could. I went out there and I worked everybody. Like when we did our uh, 6 a.m. morning drills and everything, I worked harder than everybody else. 
make sure I won every drill. I didn't even do it in the sense that I just wanted to show everybody I was better than them. I just wanted to show them, like, I'm going to come out here and work hard. Because, like, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, people say, like, the best players on team, they tend to take plays off, take practices off and stuff, be lazy. Well, I, I didn't want to be that type of person. I wanted to go out there and work hard. I wanted to basically lead by example. Well, in the world that I come from and the world that you're part of, they call that leadership. And, and that's what they're looking for. Most t- the times, the coaches, you got a lot of different leaders on the team. You got some that are the rah rah kind of guys, and you got some of those guys that'll, that'll lead in a different way. And, and you led in a different way, and you led the way of which coaches like, and that's lead by example. Particularly when you know that this is a Division I football player who played as a freshman in the Big Ten and is now coming to our program and is not you know, showing us by what he says, but he's showing everybody by what he does. And I'm sure everybody else kind of fell in line. And because of that, I'm sure you guys had some success that they hadn't experienced before at all. Certainly not a you know, quarterback and a wide receiver. So uh, how was your quarterback? I, I know there has to be a little difference in, in the abilities of your quarterback, but how was the relationship with the quarterback once you got there? Was he happy to see you there? Yeah, he was uh, He was happy to see me there. We actually, uh, like, a lot of times in the offseason, like over the summer, we had worked out and was a uh, – like running routes and catching passes and stuff together. Even if I wasn't running routes, he was just throwing the ball back and forth. We was talking all the time. So, I mean, he was really excited to have me there. Now, they like to say, people say all the time, listen, football is football. The field is 100 yards. I think it's 50 yards wide. So football is football. But for you, coming from a Division One school and, and going to Wash University, what was a big difference, if any, that you saw there? I'm sure it had a lot to do with talent-wise. Yeah, talent-wise, there yeah, was one of the main – the, probably not, I don't think that was the biggest difference because, I mean, believe it or not, there's a, a lot of guys in the, the level I play at that are, like, really good that could have the chance to play at the D1-type schools. But I think maybe the, the biggest difference would be, like, in a D1 school, it's more like a job than anything else, kind of like how the NFL is. I mean, they, they take it serious. And down here, I mean, they still take it serious in the, the lower levels, but it's not as serious as, as D1 would be. Well, I think that's important that you mention that because, you know, there's people like myself that have been out of the game and we've had a chance to look back and, and we have that same sentiment. We understand that playing football at the college level, at Division One, the Ohio State University, Michigan, Notre Dame, USC, uh, Georgia, Alabama, it's a full-time job. <laughs> but guess what? You don't get paid. Listen, don't go anywhere, Joe. We gonna, I don't want to go there. People may be a little bit upset with me about saying that, but there's, there's some things we need to talk about. We need to finish this conversation. We're going to take a break. I got Joe Morgan on the phone with me, wide receiver. I'm going to say this. Forget what school he went to. He's from Canton, Ohio, the Hall of Fame city, so you know he can play ball. We'll be right back after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You already get the general sports headlines and discussion on TV and radio. Tune in to The Blueprint with Randall Gatewood. Yeah, we'll cover all the general big-name stuff, too, but we go beyond the typical sports radio show to bring you the details you don't get anywhere else. We'll talk about the inspirational stories and the little-known successes. If you want creativity, The Blueprint is the place to be. Tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear that music, you know the show, you listen to Real Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix Living Like It Matters. And listen, I got to do this. This is my show. So I got to send a shout out to all my line brothers from Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity. We celebrate our 32nd anniversary as being members of the Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. So I just wanted to send that out. You know, all the Q-Dogs in the house recognize that uh, you know it was hard as hell on us, uh, but we made it. So uh, now somebody else who I believe is about to make it. But uh, we just talked about some before we went on break, and that is, of course, I, I got wide receiver out of Canton, Ohio, from Walsh University by way of University of Illinois, Joe Morgan. And, and Joe and I was talking about the difference in the divisions uh, and the competition. And, and Division One is something like uh, the NFL. It's like a job. But, but let me just say this. Uh, Joe, you just came from your job interview, and that was the combine. So walk us through this experience. First of all, I've been through this years ago in my life, but just the experience of finding out that you're going to be invited to the combine. Walk us through how that happened, and then you and I are going to talk about that experience of participating at the combine. So, how'd you find out you were invited to the combine? Uh, like, well, honestly, I've never expected to get invited to the combine at all because, I mean, I'm coming from a small school. I really didn't have, I mean, the outstanding numbers that, that I would have needed to have to small school so i'm not expecting to get invited to the combine well one day i was just checking my email with my friend and uh like me and him was joking about it i was like wouldn't it be crazy if i got invited to the combine we thought it was a joke it was just funny and uh i found it in my email that i got an invite from the nfl combine so i mean it was really a, a little humbling experience really just to just to get that invite in itself not even being there just to get the invite in itself was a humbling and blessing well certainly you're right it, it's it's a humbling experience and, and it's truly a blessing to get there. But but once you get there, you're, you're on a stage of which this is truly uh, your first step in terms of, well, well, your first steps actually happened in college. But the next step in, in this opportunity that you have to, to one day become a National Football League player is participating at the Combine when invited. So once you were invited and, and you got there, how much time was it between when you got the invitation and when you had to actually be there? 
Uh, I got the invitation uh, the 31st of December, and we didn't have to be there until the 24th of February. Okay, so, so what I did had, you do? What did you do to get yourself prepared for in between that time? Well, what I did, uh, like cause before all that, I had picked out an agent and everything. So I had been already. I've been working out in a uh, in Houston, Texas, down in a facility called Plex. Probably the best facility around. If I could plug them a little bit, but uh, but I really had been working down there for a little bit. If they uh, don't like, pay you, don't plug them. <laughs> go, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. But uh, like I, I've been down there probably a, like a week or two before I got my invite, so I was already getting prepared, getting ready. Even because I was gonna have a pro day regardless, so I was getting ready for my pro day by, uh, at that point anyway. Well, okay, so so you were getting ready for a pro day. So you anticipated that there was going to be a pro day, even if there wasn't a combine invitation. Yes. Okay. All right. So so there's a combine invitation now. Now, one thing I'm going to tell those out there that may not know, and I think you may have known, but when you got there, you found out for sure. Now, the NFL doesn't make too many mistakes. They make some. But but I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna lean on the side of they don't make too many mistakes, because if you look at the percentages, there's a greater percentage of success than there is of mistakes, and that is when it comes to assessing talent and inviting that talent to participate in the combine. See, because probably eight out of ten people that go to that combine will be drafted. If there's three hundred something people uh, in that combine. You know, uh, at, what is it, 300, 8, 240 of those are going to be drafted, okay? But I'm, I'm here to say this to you. When you got there, I'm here to ask this question of you. Once you got there, what did you expect going in, and did it meet your expectations once you got there? Are you talking about, like, like me competing-wise, like uh, my workouts and stuff? I, I mean everything, because I know there's so many different things that go through your mind. I mean, your mind, you're thinking about all those things, you know, when you get there, competing, who's going to be there, who's not going to be there, what coaches, whatever was, when you went in there, whatever you were thinking about, how did that play out in reality? So why don't you share that with us, you know, what it was like, oh, wow, when I go there, I'm expecting this, and when you got there, this is what really happened. Uh, well, when I got there, I was a uh, like I already like I wasn't expecting like anything like talent wise like uh, anything like that. I, was, I knew I was going to go perform very well doing everything like that. I really didn't have any I would say goals set out on how I wanted to perform. So I was just ready. To, I just kept my mind focused on how I was going to do everything. But I I didn't know what to expect as far as with the because the first three days of the combine you really don't people don't know about all that. The first three days is man you don't do anything working out or anything like that. You just get looked at by all the NFL. Uh, Medical personnel, you do all these tests and psychological tests, drug tests. There's a whole bunch of different stuff that you don't hear about. And I wasn't, like, I knew about it, but I wasn't really expecting it any, like, as much as we had done. So that was the biggest shocker to me for sure. And so that, that was pretty intense. So when you get there and you're going through all these tests, um, and you're, you're also going through some interview process as well, am I correct? Yes. Okay, now, when, so when you sit down with these coaches uh, and scouts and, and psychologists and psychiatrists, uh, they sit down, they, uh, any, any strange questions that they ask you that you're wondering, wow, what does that have to do with football? Anything at all they ask you that, you know, you might share with us that you think, wow, that don't have anything to do with football. One, one of the funniest questions they had asked, they asked, uh, what do you like better, a cat or a dog? And I thought everybody, like, we, a lot of us thought that was funny because that really has nothing to do with football at all. <laughs> but they tried to, they try, I guess it's, it's type of like left brain, like, I don't know, we were trying to figure out ways for, them to, for it to be some pertaining to football some way. I guess if it means you're aggressive or more laid back or anything like that, I don't know. That's my best guess to why they asked that question, period. 
Okay. Now let me ask you something. Were, were you were you able to ask anybody? Okay. Listen, I don't want you guys to think that I'm you know I'm off my rocker, but I'm just curious as to what does that have to do with football? Did you ask anybody that question at all? Did you ask the person to ask you that question? Excuse me, sir, ma'am. Can you tell me what that has to do with football? Or did you let no, it go? I didn't, I, I, I didn't actually think about like why they asked. I didn't want to be that person that was going to be the one that, that stepped up and asked that. Because, you know, you probably, you probably ask that question, they try to find some way to, to backfire it on you or anything like that. So I didn't want to. That's exactly I right. I just answered it the way I could. That, that's I good. This is the best of my ability. And I, was, I, just, I think I said a dog. So. Okay, I was going to ask you. Now, I wanted to know. Now, now, you're a bulldog. So I was wondering now if you were going to say a, a cat or a dog. And I would imagine. I would imagine. See, I'm one of those type of people that. I'm afraid of cats because you just don't know what a cat is kind of sneaky. And so yeah. you got to keep your eye on a cat at all times because you never know. what he, Listen, when a dog approaches, you don't have to worry about me. Although I've had a dog before. God bless his soul. Yama. That's my dog's name. He in heaven. Doggy heaven. But I was scared. I loved him, but I was scared to death of him. It was a chow chow. He could have turned on me anytime and could have took my could have made me his dog. But. We, we and him had an understanding, but I like dogs better than I do cats. Okay, so we're going to move beyond that. Okay, you there. You go past the, the, the let's say, the non-physical test. Now it comes down to the physical stuff, and, and they want to see your athletic ability because, in my mind, the combine doesn't really show how you play football because to see how one plays football, they got to be playing football. But you're going through drills, and so they're checking out your athleticism. How did that go? What was the most uh, interesting uh, type of drill that they put you through uh, that you either enjoyed or one that you might have struggled with? Because it doesn't really seem like you struggle with much at all. But tell us a little bit about some of the drills that they put you through. Uh, well, probably the best drill that I like going through is a receiver drill that we did called the gauntlet. And uh, you got to run full speed across the field. This, I think, is five quarterbacks that are lined on both sides. Like, they're lined 10 yards away from you. Ten yards away from you on the on your right and your left, and you just got to run full speed across. You got to catch one pass and throw it. Like you don't even catch and tuck. You catch it and throw it. Catch it and throw it down. It's quick as that. They're trying to like test reaction time and like how well you can clutch the ball out there and stuff. Man, that drill was actually really fun. I did really well on that one. Yeah, I, li- I like that drill because you actually catching the ball in your hands away from your body. You're squeezing it, securing it, and then you're dropping that ball. And and then you're going to the next one. Let me ask you, how was the accuracy of the quarterbacks in that particular drill? Uh, it was it was actually pretty good because some of them like were trying to I guess like one or two of the quarterbacks at first were trying to throw it all hard, to, but the, I guess the the scouts I told them like this was it wasn't a drill for the quarterback so all they had to do was just make it throw so it's pretty good they were just putting it right on the money. Now you just you just mentioned something there about quarterbacks trying to throw the ball all hard and I think some people don't understand uh, and I like for you to say this instead of myself because I have my own opinion but is it always necessary for a quarterback to throw the ball hard? No, not at all. Because uh, I mean, especially say I'm running a, a like a two or three yard route across the middle of the field, and the quarterback is five yards away from me. I mean, it's pretty pretty foolish for him to fire it as hard as he can. I mean, still it's my job to catch it, but it'd be foolish if I'm wide open from just fired at me. Some some passes you got to put touch on, and some passes you got to put in there as I mean, try to fit it in a hole as fast as you can. So it's really dependent on the situation. But every pass doesn't have to be a bullet, hundred mile an hour pass. Yeah, and I asked that question because, you know, there are three quarterbacks within the last three years that have been in the forefront of everybody's eyes that, that, had, that, that, that has a passion for football week in, week out. That's Tim Tebow, that's Cam Newton, and that's T. Pryor. 
And I think all three of these guys, their throwing motions and delivery have certainly come into question. But even if they have the ability, if they have that strong arm or if they have that soft touch in terms of being a quarterback in the National Football League. And it's good to hear a receiver say that you don't always have to have that strong delivery of every pass, but certainly it's having a touch. But I would also think that accuracy is a big part of that as well. As a receiver, you want to make sure the quarterback is accurate with his passes. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct for sure. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, if, if you don't get it, if you don't throw it to us, you're throwing it to them. And when you throw it to them, that's me. I'm one of those them guys, and I'm sure you guys don't like them. Let me ask you something uh, before we go to break, because we got another break here. Um, the NFL, it, it, it's a new game now. The game is a little bit less physical than it used to be. Now, you coming out of college, coming into pros, uh, are you looking forward to a less physical game? I'm not sure at the college level that it's quite as physical as it is in the National Football League. As a matter of fact, I know it's not. But it may somehow find its way to the level of physicality at the college level as opposed to what pro football used to be because some of those punishing hits that guys used to take, they won't be taken anymore. Are you looking forward to a game that's less physical than it used to be? Well, I mean, it, it'll be better because as I'm a receiver, and a lot of people, a lot of people that's getting on the opposite end of these hits are receivers. So, I mean, it'd be better for me. But I'm the type of person. I, we come from McKinley. I'm a, a tough guy, so I grew up with stuff like that, the hard hits and everything like that. I just feel like it's changing the way the game is. It's not gonna make it the way it used to be or how it should be. I mean, there's there's stuff you got to do that got to make it safe, but they're making it like unnecessary. That's that's just my personal opinion. I think it's just getting too unnecessary. Well, I'll just say this for you. I'm going to say this on your behalf. Is This is a big man. This is a big wide receiver. This is a man that's 6'1 and 185 pounds. Am I right, 185? Yeah, 185. See, and, and so I know a little bit about that because when I came out of Cam McKinley High School, I was 6'1 and weighed 185, but I didn't run a 4'4 either. <laughs> so, listen, here's what we're going to do. We got to take a break. I hear some music in my ear. We're going to take this break. I'm going to bring you back for one more session and, and, and we're going to talk a little football. We're going to talk a little bit about the crying game. The crying game. There's no crying in baseball or basketball. That's what they say. We'll be right back. You're just a rail of sports on the Voice America Network. Got my homeboy with me, Joe Morgan, wide receiver from Walsh University by way of Illinois. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Get ready for a show that's going to take it to the next level of sports talk. Get ready for Sean Salisbury, unfiltered. He's got 12 years of broadcast experience as an analyst for ESPN Sports Center and NFL Live. And he has 10 years experience as a player with the Seahawks, Colts, Vikings, and Chargers, as well as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the CFL. You'll hear the truth and not the sidelines. Sean Salisbury, unfiltered. Is not for the faint of heart. Tune in every weekday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Coast to Coast Mixtapes.com. Show. You listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like a matter. It's got my homeboy on with me, Joe Morgan, wide receiver out of Canton McKinley High School, attended Walsh University by way of the University of Illinois. And uh, hey, Joe, listen, man, as I said, uh, you know, your life is about to change. You just had a very extensive job interview. Uh, there's another process coming up soon. But right now, there's a possibility that. There could be some holdups to your debut of playing in the National Football League. And there's this thing out there called the CBA, which is the Collective Bargaining Agreement. Now, I don't expect that you know a whole lot about it, but I'm curious as to if you know anything about it. And if you do know anything, how did you get introduced to the Collective Bargaining Agreement? Well, uh like you said, I really don't know much about it at all. Like, I think a little bit of what I know, I know it's, uh, it got something to do with with the owners versus the the union, and the, the owners are trying to take money away, and the union is actually trying to, to get more money. And uh, more specifically, they're trying to get more money for like when players when they retire, because a lot of players that are that are retiring nowadays they're retiring without any money at all. Like they're they're struggling essentially. Like guys are going from making millions of dollars and not having anything when they retire. So that's one thing they're trying to get more benefits for them when they retire. And uh, I think what the owners are trying to do is trying to one of the main thing they're trying to get a rookie wage scale. And uh, what I learned about that is they said it's a because every year that you'll, I guess you'll, the amount you make goes up every year. Well, they're trying to get it to be that it's the same every year. So I don't know. The CBA really don't. The the union really doesn't want that to happen at all. So I mean, that's really all I know about. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know much. And because I only know from uh, like what I see on on TV, what they what a uh, little bit they tell us on TV. And then uh, I played in the the NFL PA All Star game. That was the the union their All Star game. So they told us a little bit when we was there what was going on. Yeah. See, I, I think in my mind that there is a little bit of uh, a, there's a lot of lack of education when it comes to people such as yourself. And it's not your it's, again, it's not your fault, but it's very interesting that um, many years ago, 
I find myself in the same position that you find yourself in. And that is, it was just a little bit different than you and I. And that is, when I came into the league my rookie year, the collective bargaining agreement was going to expire at the conclusion of that season. And so in the midst of my second year, um, we went on strike in 1982. I'm taking you way back there, you know, and we went on strike. So what I did is I went to the convention in the off season of my rookie year. And I always tell people that I feel like I got an MBA in the business of sports because I get so much knowledge from being at that convention. So I'm going to ask you that if you're blessed and you're on a team, that you get involved in your union that represents you and players that came before you like myself and even those that will come after you. Because, see, I'm going to share some information with you. It's, it's because of the things that – and I'm not, I'm not trying to take credit. I'm just trying to pass history on. It's the things that I did in 1987 and in 1982 that you're benefiting from today. And that was 30 years ago. And so you may think that it may not be that important. But the part that I don't think is right of us is that we don't take the time out to educate you more. So I'm going to ask you to go to NFLPA.org. Again, that's NFL, you and everybody out there listening can go to NFLPA.org. And when you go to NFLPA.org, that's the Players Association website. When you go to there, you can follow on one of the um, – uh, categories you'll see our history and then I want you to go to our history and I want you to read that because when you read that you'll find out how they and you got to the position where you are today of uncertainty as to what's going to happen with your NFL career and it's because of all the things that we did over those years and don't believe that part where they say I was laying out there in front threw myself in front of a car don't believe that part <laughs> Although I did, don't believe it, because I couldn't believe I did it. But it was just in fun, and then it just, but 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 we were serious. Uh, we were very serious, and and just so those people out there will know, is that you know back in my rookie year, just to give you some idea, I came like you out of Camp McKinley High School, went to a Big Ten school to get my education, and thought that I would be able to go into the National Football League, and I was going to be a millionaire. I was going to be making a whole lot of money. Well, my rookie year, I made $30,000. That's three zero. There was more people. There was as many people coming out of Ohio State going to work for IBM and Xerox. They were making more money than I was playing in the National Football League. And then not only that, when we went on strike that second year, I was making $35,000. And we had, with the new agreement, the minimum that a person could make in their second year in the National Football League was $40,000. So I had to have a salary adjustment so that I could just be making the new minimum wage. How after, however, after that, there was a few years of which I played in the league, and I was starting, and I was doing pretty good. And so because of the education that I got when I went to the convention, I realized that I wasn't going to settle for them to pay me crumbs because I knew they had enough to pay me according to what I thought my value was. So I found myself going from somebody who was making minimum wage to somebody who was like the fourth highest paid safety in the league. What that was is not relevant. It is, but that's not important for me to talk about. But it's just that if you perform, you can go out and get your money if you got the right people working for you. And so 
those things that we did during those strike years was to make things better for people like yourself. Like now in in the National Football League, if you're able to make it, uh, you'll have a 401k plan. We didn't have 401k plans, but a part of the 1993 agreement was that you would get a 401k. So that's why some of the guys that are spending their money today that are playing the game, they may not be as concerned as the guys from my generation because there is a savings plan for them even if they spend. Now, I'm not telling you to spend your money. I'm telling you to match that 401k to its maximum abilities, contributions, and I'm telling you to also take your other finances and be conservative. I mean, right now, Joe, you're living a comfortable life. You know, maybe it's not a rich life, but you're comfortable, and that's all you need to be is once you get into the league as comfortable and I think it's best if you save a lot of that money to enjoy life once football is over with because football takes care of you pretty good. I mean, I'm sure you could tell some people it may be different at Walsh, but when you played for the University of Illinois and when you traveled, you traveled hmm, private airplanes, you know, yeah, nobody on those planes but the team, hotels, nice hotels, nice food, training table. I mean, that's a pretty good living at college university. Am I correct? Hey, it was great. So, so you you've been accustomed to a nice lifestyle, but you can still do that. You can maintain. It don't all have to be over the top. You know, I did some things when I look back, and and I don't think I did that bad. I, I had some adversities, and you see, the thing about you, if you faced some adversities at the college level already, so you've experienced something being taken away from you, and I'm sure you didn't like that. So certainly, you don't want anybody to ever take anything away from you. If you make it to the next level, and I and I and I feel you will make it to that next level. Um, something else I I didn't share I shared with you, but I didn't share with the audience, and I want everybody to know this. Um, when I saw this young man on TV playing in a uniform, and he was playing for Illinois, I got on the phone, I made calls, I'm asking why the hell ain't he at Ohio State? Uh, but I also made some calls of my friends, you know who are in the National Football League. And I'm like, hey, there's a young man out there from my hometown that you guys need to be aware that he is in college football and he's a damn good ball player. And lo and behold, you know, I get this call that he, of course, was participating at the Combine, and, and I was excited about that. So I'm glad to, that those things happened. But so we talked a little bit about the collective bargaining agreement. Let me, let me just say one last thing when I, while I got Joe here with me. Because I want to have fun with this. I want him to have a little fun with me on the show. Now, Joe, we from McKinley. And, you know, at McKinley, you know, hey, you know, either, they, either you're going to make the team or they're going to run you off. You're going you're gonna to play ball. If you're going to be on McKinley, you're going to play some football. So you pretty much adjust everything. And, and, and McKinley is a high school where champions are made and success is a tradition. And it's been that way forever. We've had people playing at the pro level since 1974 and continue to have somebody on the roster. I don't care if it's a coach or a player or whoever. Maybe it's National Football League. Maybe it's basketball. But they got a thing, LeBron and his, and his, 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 his boys, the big three. They lost a game to Chicago Bulls. And supposedly the coach said in the locker room there were some tears. Now, these are grown men. They play pro ball, and they're crying. And it's a regular season game. Now, me, Joe, I'm sorry. I don't have no problem with that. But see, because, see, when the Arizona Cardinals played and the quarterback, Derek Anderson, was on the sidelines laughing with, with his offensive tackle, they ripped him a new one because they were on the sidelines laughing and they were losing. 
Now you got guys who lost and they're crying and now the media's ripping them. Which one is it, Joe? Can you laugh or can you cry if you lose a ball game? Which do you have a problem with either one of them? I got a problem with laughing. I mean, especially if your team is losing. I mean, you should be more into the game. I think you should be like more like the guys. Like, I don't got no problem with crying at all because I like how you brought it in. Like, where champions are made in success tradition. I mean, these guys are that are all playing. They all came together for a reason. They're used to being winners. They're used to having this type of success. So, I mean, it hurts when you lose. It ain't like I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to think they're in the cry in the locker room just crying like little babies. They're in there crying like. I mean, it's an emotional thing. I mean, I cry sometimes when I get upset. It ain't like I'm, like I'm sad or anything. I'm just like, I, I wish I could have done better. I mean, you want to go in there and your emotions start flaring when you, after you lose a game or something big like that, I mean, you don't really got no control over that. Tears just tend to fall. I mean, it shows that they're emotional about the game. They're passionate about it. I mean, I don't see them being that no baby. There shouldn't be nothing wrong with it at all. There's really a problem if they would if they went into the locker room and just been laughing and having a good time. Yeah, that's a problem for sure. And see, I, and, and that's the way I felt. In fact, Jalen Rowe just, this morning, I can't believe it, Jalen, Michigan guy, but that's my boy Sam Washington's man, so that's my man too, Jalen. Shout out, Jalen. But on ESPN, Jalen was like, man, he didn't have a problem with it. He was glad they were crying. Hell, that showed that, that they want to win. You, you pissed off because, man, you're trying as hard as you can and something just ain't working. And, and, and football, a lot of sports are very emotional. I mean, people are in the stands. You see all kind of emotions from people in the stands. They get scared when somebody get hit real hard. They go, ooh, you know. They're happy when their team scores a touchdown. You know, when it's, when it's one second left on the clock, everybody hold their hands. They're down on their knees. The kicker about to kick a ball. You know, and if, that, if he makes that kick or if he misses that kick, on one sideline, it's going to be some shouts of joy and it's going to be some heartache on the other side. That's just emotion that comes with this game. So I, too, yes, I would be happier to see the guys that I root for in a locker room crying after they lost a game because they mad as hell. Not that they cry, babies, but they just mad as hell because, man, we got to do something. I didn't come here to lose. We supposed to be winning. We got to do something as opposed to, you know, you get it. You know, hey, man, they, they, you know, next thing you know, they got their iPods on. You know, they got their uh you know, they got the headphones on and they're having a good time. And, and I'm looking around like, yo, man, didn't we just lose? So I'm, I'm with you, Joe. I'm going to stay there, too, and listen. That emotion, I li- I'd rather much play with a guy that play with emotion than a guy that just don't care one way or the other. So listen, hey, Joe, I, you got to give some shout-outs before you go, man. Like we said, we're from Canton, Ohio. I want to do this special show to acknowledge the success you've had throughout your college career and to get you ready for pros, man. So shout-out to somebody out there, man. Say hello to somebody. Uh, well, I'm gonna send a shout out to to Canton, of course. Uh, I mean, it's just, everybody been following me so much for the uh, for the past but since the season started. So season started to now, everybody been uh, supporting me. I think so. I want to send a shout out to everybody here in uh, in Canton. Shout out to my family, of course, for sure, and uh, my daughter and my fiance. Okay, man. I gotta hey. send a shout out to, to my school, Walsh. Of course, I ain't gonna let that go. There you go, man. Don't let that go, man. Because you've made some history for Walsh. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you're the first person from Walsh to ever be invited to the combine. Is that correct? I'm the first person, yes. And let me say this. If I'm not mistaken, if you're drafted, you would be the first draft choice ever for Walsh University, too. Yes. Yeah, man, I think we need to have a draft party right there on the campus, man. That'd be a beautiful thing, man. Hey, listen, Joe, I appreciate it, man. Listen, I'm going to be in touch with you. You got my number. You lock me in, right? Uh-huh. So when I call you, you you, you, you can't scream my calls. You know that's me calling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll push you calling. All right, man. You take care of yourself, man. God bless you. I don't care what team you play for. You give it your all. And I'm going to follow you because we're going to bring you back on the show. All right? All right. Thanks. Thanks for appreciating. I really appreciate you having me here. No problem. Hey, that's my homeboy there. That's Joe Morgan, wide receiver out of Canton, Ohio. 
And, of course, he attended Walsh University by way of Illinois. We got to take a break. We got that last segment coming up because I'm going to raise some hell and I don't want to get Joe in no trouble. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Finnish, living like it matters. We'll be right back. Everybody run back to your fantasy now. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. Left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Get the inside scoop on the Georgia Bulldogs. Tune in to Keelan Johnson on College Football Game Day on the radio and every day on KeelanJohnson.com. On Keelan's Keeping It Real Radio, you can talk to Keelan and his former teammates about the Bulldogs, college football, and all things sports. Keelan's the go-to analyst for Bulldog football on pre- and post-game television on KeelanJohnson.com. And now, every week on the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in every college game day for Keelan Johnson, Keeping It Real Radio. Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, I'm back. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I, of course, am Ray Ellis, and I want to thank my homeboy, Joe Morgan, for joining me on the show. Young man who's just been, uh, you know, doing an outstanding job of getting a second chance in life and uh, went on to uh, Walsh University after leaving the University of Illinois, where he said and admitted he did have a few mishaps of which he took total responsibility for, and he now has moved on with his life. And, and I'm glad he got a second chance. And I say that, I told Joe I wanted to, you know, dismiss him from the show. Not dismiss him, but, you know, let him go do what he got to do, handle his business. Because I'm about to raise some hell. Because, see, BYU... Okay, that's your university. I have nothing to do with your university, but I, I can say what I want to say. And what I want to say is I, I believe your, your ethics, uh, that you have your code of conduct of what you have, I think it's supposed to be based upon not just principle, but I think it might be based upon perhaps maybe, and I'm not sure, but your religious beliefs as well. And I would just say my religious belief may be different than yours because I believe in Jesus Christ and the to say my savior is a man and a God of second chances. Now, I, I just can't believe that a person that, that makes a mistake, and I don't know how many times they made that mistake. Maybe they made it more than once or twice or three or four times. I don't know. But this young man who's a basketball player was dismissed from the basketball team until the end of the year. Now, you've got some guys at the Ohio State University that's only going to miss five games. 
You know, you've got some guys uh, at some other universities that were suspended maybe for a game or two. But I just think this is a little bit harsh. I'm not sure that the crime, you know, the punishment fits the crime. And, and, and these are people that are being very judgmental. And I want to say he who is without sin, cast that first stone. Please, I want to see how many of them throw stones. I bet there's no damn stones, no stones being thrown. Yeah, I'm a little tongue twisted because I'm a little upset. I just think that's just too much. Sometimes we want to hold people to standards that we're not willing to hold ourselves to. And let those coaches, yeah, you're coaches now and that was before. Yeah, but did you live by that same standard? You know, how are you going to try to hold somebody to a standard you're not willing to hold yourself to? Are you telling me you don't swear? I believe you're not allowed to swear. I believe that's what it says on there. Yeah, you, you read it someplace. You'll find out. Are you telling me that you abstain from beverage, alcoholic beverages? You abstain from tobacco, from tea, from coffee, from substance abuse? Yeah. You, 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 you attending church services regularly? You probably are. You observe the dress code and the grooming standards? Yeah, you probably are. You respect others? Now, what's your definition of respecting others? Because I'm not so sure that what you're doing this young man, I know you got a code of standards, a standard of codes or whatever it is, some kind of policy. But come on, these are young men. These, we, don't forget, sometimes we forget how old we were, how young we were at one time. Not how old, because we're old as hell now. But when we were young people, what did we do? How many mistakes did we make? Did anybody ever forgive us? Did anybody ever give us a second chance in life? This young man may never get this chance again, and that's okay if you want to impress the world. Now, let me move on now to The Ohio State University, where I attended school at. Man, it appears that there are some things going on here, too. Where there's smoke, there is fire. I guess it looks like, accordingly, Coach Trestle may have known a little bit more than what he told everybody, or he may have known a little bit earlier than what he told us. And so now we've got somebody over there, Mr. Smith, who's got to step up, and we've got to see how he's going to handle that. And all I'm saying is, listen, you know, maybe maybe Coach Tress did know a little earlier than what he's and he, he's in violation. So now because of what BYU has done, now Gene Smith is going to be, you know, the heat is going to be under his feet and everybody's going to see if he holds to to the contract, to the words in his contract, to the code, because the code means you got to According to your code, you got to dismiss Tressel. Now, what is my university going to do? What are we going to do? Are we going to stand up and say, according to your contract, Trestle, Jim, Coach Trace, you, 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 you got to go. Because I believe somewhere in that contract it says if you find out, if you become aware, if you know, you got to report it to, you know, the powers to be, which is the athletic director and which is the NC2A as well. And I'm not sure he did that. And like I said, it was a federal investigation. They dug a little deeper. And so now the Ohio State University could be looking at some serious consequences. 2010 season, wipe it off. 2010 season, whatever the accomplishments were, you know, wipe them off. And, you know, it's, it's because of this now. You can't have one team as a part of the NCAA and another team that's a part of the NCAA, and they have a contracts that they have to, you know, hold up to these contractual agreements.
and live according to those. Now, BYU, you know, they got their own thing. I, I think there may be a private university. I know the Ohio State University is a state institution. I think this may be a private institution. So they maybe can have those, you know, because if this was at the Ohio State University and they were trying to hold this, you know, this young man for having premarital sex, they were trying to hold him to the fire on that one. I don't think they could get away with that one. Not at the Ohio State University. I'm just going to keep it real. Okay. But this contractual agreement that Coach Tressel has in terms of what he's supposed to do and his obligations to police his football team and to make sure the guys are doing the right things. And if he finds out that they're doing the wrong things, he's supposed to report it regardless of who it is, even if it's your superstar. That's hard. That's hard to do. You get ready to go and, and play an SEC team, and everybody's been talking about we can't beat SEC teams, and then you got to get rid of your star player. He can't participate. Your star wide receiver, he can't participate. Mm, Coach Trust didn't want to do that. And, and this was even before the season because if he found out in April, that was before the season started, so we didn't know we were going to necessarily be playing, you know, uh, the bowl game against Arkansas. But th- this is just – this is hard. This is, this is real life. And when you make decisions, sometimes if you don't make the right ones, there's consequences. And the consequences are for different for some people than they are for other people. That's called favoritism. Now, if, is there going to be some favoritism shown to the Ohio State University? I got to be honest. You know, it's, it's one of these things where, you know, you know how people always say sometimes, you know, hey, you, sometimes you just all off in my business, up in my business. You don't need to be up in my business like that. Don't work like that at the college level. Don't work like that. Trust, they're all up in your business. So we're going to see tonight, I think at 7 o'clock uh, Eastern Standard Time and uh, 4 o'clock Pacific, uh, there's going to be a press conference. So everybody make sure they watch that press conference and we'll find out what's going on. Uh, because it's going to be a tough one. Hey, I'm going to finish up with this uh, last comment on, on the emotions of which players show when they play the game. I remember my rookie year, I came in, and a quarterback of one of my teammates. Yeah, I'm going to shout you out, Joe P., Joe Pasasi. I was, I was fired up, man. I just came from The Ohio State University. I got the most inspirational player on the team, so I play with emotion. And Joe was like, hey, 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 hey. This ain't college, man. This is pro. We don't get that all that rah-rah stuff. We don't, we don't do that rah-rah stuff. Well, that's a damn lie. I can do that rah-rah stuff if I want to. You get yourself ready for the game the way you want to get yourself ready for the game. And guess what? After you put everything into the game, if you don't win and you feel like crying, you go ahead and cry. Man up. And men, real men, do cry. Hey, You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.